Our celebs have been coated in enough spray tan to do one whole coat on David Dickinson, enough rhinestones to bedazzle a battleship, and so much lycra that the nation's middle-aged cyclists are having to go nude. We've finally seen them all take to the floor, and now it's time to assess the performances. And welcome to the Keep Dancing podcast. I'm Ellie. I'm your host. Tonight, I'll be joined by various members of the podcast crew to talk about week one. We are your 100% unofficial, unexpurgated and ever so slightly rock and roll source of Strictly Come Dancing analysis and opinions. We aren't neutral. We have special favourites and inexplicable dislikes. We delve into the production techniques and dark arts of reality TV storylining that keep the audience engaged. We love the show, but we do reserve the right to say where we think it could do better. We're a sort of a gang, and you're invited to join. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email us at keepdancingpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at keepdancingpod. We'd love to hear your views, theories, and general expressions of dance delight. So what about that show, then? So because there's still so many dancers, we're going to do something a bit different. We've got various members of the gang weighing in on only a few of the dancers, and... I'm sure you'll figure it out as we go along. Let's get started. Dancing the cha-cha with absolutely nothing holding her back, it's Gemma Atkinson and her partner, Aliash. Well, in theory, this was a big, fantastic opening number for the whole show. And in theory, Gemma is one of our finalists, right? Uh... I don't know, something seemed to like a little bit off about this. She was sort of awkward, but she was really selling that cha-cha. But the, the, ab- the thing that was the absolute pits about this routine was the band trying to do the song. I, I don't know why it didn't work because, you know, it's one of those songs where it's just basically an acoustic guitar and a drum kit, but it was just awful. There were a few bits where it felt like Aliash was just sort of walking her around very sort of slowly and delicately. And that's not really what you want in a cha-cha. I, I'm pretty sure about that. And that lace shirt on Aliash, nah. So, Lisa, what did you think of Gemma's dance debut? Gemma's dance debut. So this was the show opener. Um, and I confess, I didn't see it live because I didn't get in in time. So I had to go back and rewatch it. I came in on, on number two. So then I had to go back and start again um, and watch it through. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. It was a good cha-cha-cha. It was a good week one cha-cha-cha. If she'd been doing that in week seven, I'd be asking questions. But she's not. This is week one. I suspect that they picked her for the show opener because they... Sh- thought that she was going to be like a super dazzling one to open with and it probably wasn't that but it was absolutely fine I am looking forward to seeing where she goes next she'll have ballroom next week and it's always on on the first you know you need to see them do a latin and you need to see them do a ballroom before you can kind of get a sense of you know where they're going to go and how their how their journey's going to look. I used that word already. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I want to see her do ballroom. I wonder whether she might shine at ballroom, where we all maybe thought she was going to be great at Latin. I wonder whether she's going to do really well in ballroom instead. Dancing the tango and burning higher and higher. It's Brian Conley and his partner, Amy. Lisa, we need to have a conversation about Brian. Why is Brian <laughs> on Strictly? Uh, because you need to have an older chap because that's part of 
public service remit, I think. You need to try and hit all the, you know, all the demographics, don't you? So you can't just have your your sort of older lady. You need to have your older chap as well. See Russell Grant, see Ed Ball, see, you know, see previous yeah. series. It's- Interestingly, we've got two this this. Um, this season, two older chaps. So uh, maybe they felt that a bit of competition between Brian and Richard, which is an odd set of competitors, but very odd. Whatever. I wasn't. I wasn't up for this. I'm afraid. I I really like the Heaven Seventeen song that they were dancing to, and again, it was another one that the band were struggling manfully with. But I just thought it was pretty, pretty dire and not even fun. No, I think there's a reason it was in the number two slot. Um, you know, I mean, I hate, I hate to compare it to Eurovision. And we, this is only the first show, but you know, look at the song they always put in number two. It's, it's the sort of nondescript one that they just have to put it in somewhere. So you stick it in numbers two, three, or four, and then move on with your life. And so will we. Dancing the Waltz, it's one heck of a natural woman. It's Alexandra Burke and her partner, Gorka. And first of all, we'll hear from Richard. Alexandra Burke, what can I say about her? Elegant and graceful are two things we can certainly say about her. Technique wasn't quite there, but let's face it, it is only week one and the only way is up. In terms of storytelling, it's really helped to having a musical ground and she really will have this as an asset. See, I was really glad that this turned out well. I think that, you know, Alex was on sufficiently early that she still got quite undermarked. But I just, I love her personality. She's funny and weird and she's got a great energy. I like that, especially next to Gorka, who's still just really bad at doing the comedy skits. The dance, though, it was just sort of good, but unremarkably good. She's got, obviously, great musicality, and she's clearly going to be really good, but there's still quite a long way to go before she's astonishing. Dancing the Paso Doble, it's the messy speed omelette challenge that is Simon Rimmer and his partner, Karen. Well, this was all wrong from the kitchen nonsense in the comedy VT. There was just no point to it. And also Karen working in a kitchen with her hair loose, no hairnet, no tied back, just so wrong. And the theming just seemed really messy. I mean, the barricade from Les Mis for a Paso Doble to Song 2, it just didn't hang together. I was really worried for Karen's neck vertebrae in some of the in-hold sections. Uh, Simon did seem to be wanging her about the place. I just, I just think this represents a new low for Paso song selection. Just because you can do a Paso to anything in 4-4 doesn't mean that you should do a Paso to anything that is in 4-4, especially if you're not even going to make a token effort towards adopting a Spanish line. Dancing the Foxtrot, where Brendan is already smelling a hair and calling her this one. It's Charlotte Hawkins and her partner, Brendan. Charlotte Hawkins. In terms of nerves and technique, for her, she was better in hold rather than out. When she was out of hold, the nerves really did show. She has potential with the elegance in the ballroom, but when it comes to Latin, we'll just have to wait and see. Hi, it's Emily here. I am talking about Charlotte Hawkins and Brendan Cole, foxtrotting to the best is yet to come. Um, As you know, we have very strong feelings about Michael Bublé and how regularly he can and should be deployed. But this one is not too bad as far as Bublé goes. Charlotte was good in this dance. She looks very confident with the foxtrot. Um, I would say that the choreography was done to flatter her 
with that. Um, you've got some good musicality, some good flares on the beat. She looked a little bit uncomfortable out of hold. Um, there was just a couple of moments where she wasn't um, dancing with Brendan, but alongside him where you'd just see a fleeting moment of panic on her face, which, you know, it's understandable. It's very early on. Um, I'm not sure if she's one of the contestants with some dance experience. I would say from her accomplished um, moves um, for this foxtrot that perhaps she does have. But yeah, overall it was really good. It looked more like a week three or four kind of dance than uh, a first week dance. I was very impressed. Now, Lisa, can you remember anything about Charlotte and Brendan's routine? I worry that Charlotte is our contestant this year who's slipping down the memory vortex. No, I can't, actually. I'm going to have to Google it. <laughs> right, that is as much content as we need. Dancing the cha-cha and giving everyone a dangerously elevated heart rate, it's Chizzy Akadulo and her partner, Pasha. So we got to see Chizzy and Pasha. Sure. Uh, like doing a weird medical framing device around a fairly satisfying fun cha-cha but yeah we have spoken offline about your big wardrobe beef this year tell us about it yeah my big wardrobe beef which i noticed in the launch show with chizzy is that the, the power mesh on her top was a the wrong color and B, kind of not necessary. Power mesh is supposed to blend into the background so that it just, you know, it's a a bit of, what's the word, protection for those areas that you don't want to have on show but need to be flesh-coloured. Um, so having power mesh that is, like, about 10 shades lighter than person's skin makes it stand out even more. And actually, it wasn't really doing anything. There was a tiny little bit... And instead of helping kind of blend Chizzy's rather fabulous cleavage, uh, it just drew attention to it. Um, it was slightly better on the, the blue outfit on um, this week. It was at least aiming for the right colour. It wasn't quite there, but it was... You know, they need to go and talk to Rihanna. She just bought out 40 shades of foundation in her new Fenty Beauty collection. They need to go and talk to Rihanna. She understands skin colour and skin colour variations. And if you're going to put a modesty panel on, you may as well bling it up a bit. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it either has to be... If it's going to be there, it either needs to be completely invisible or be dazzled. But That's, what did you reckon yeah. to Chizzy's dance? I really like Chizzy's dance. Um... You know, I've 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 said it before. Uh, I can't remember on online or offline. You know, I'm not a huge fan of you know the the chunky girl always having to be the sort of fun, bubbly, over the top kind of person. But I think that probably just is Chizzy's nature. I'd quite like them to find a sort of larger actress or singer or whatever who that isn't their personality, who does actually want to do it in quite a serious, kind of graceful way. I'd like to see that. It'd um, be quite good if they found the... a sportswoman. Like a yeah, possibly. Sportswoman. Like a shop putter. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't we said ages ago we'd like to see Nicola Adams do it? Oh, Nicola the Adams boxer. would be fantastic. Well, I, want, I thought yeah, this year would... we would be getting a Paralympian and I wanted it to be Kadena Cox. Or that she's yeah, quite slight be being an athlete. Uh, yeah. But yes. Built women. But anyway, but no, Chizzy, I thought Chizzy danced great. Chizzy coped with her little wardrobe malfunction very well. You know, I, everyone saw she got a heel caught in the hem of her dress, but she just kind of danced it out and carried on uh, as though nothing had happened. So good for her. I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with Chizzy. I can't wait to see her. I want to see her again. I want to see her do ballroom. Yeah. Because I think, you know. Always nice to see, as I say, one Latin and one, one ballroom, and then you can kind of start to form more of a balanced opinion. The full cycle. Dancing the waltz, it's a couple that I call Team Heart Eyes emoji. It's Johnny Peacock and his partner, Oti. Okay, so maybe they're not going to win. Um, I do still love Johnny and Oti, and 
I'm just so happy that they are able to showcase this really interesting choreography that shows up all of his strengths and just never has you thinking about which foot is a real foot and which foot is not. The vault, I thought, was a little bit showboaty and unnecessary, perhaps. Um, and, you know, maybe he lacked flow and confidence and, you know, lacking the musicality that you can get when you have the sportsman coming into dancing. And maybe it lacked a bit of shaping. I did think that it was a sort of a lovely, touching routine, though. More, please. Dancing the jive. It's a man who has previously acted with Peter Capaldi, so I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. It's Joe McFadden and his partner, Katya. Katya's been rewarded this year with the twinkly-eyed Glaswegian Joe. Did she it live has. Up, yeah, did it, did it live up to expectations? Yeah, I was really, really pleased with this. Um, I, I guess I don't watch whatever it is Joe's in. Is he a hobby? I don't know. Or a casualty or something. When I looked at his IMDb page, I found out that he was in The Crow Road with Peter Capaldi when he was younger, so that makes him fine by me. Oh, okay, well, fair enough. Um, I I basically, I'd never heard of him before, uh, before Strictly, Um, so I didn't have anything to go on, really. I liked what I had seen in the launch show and in the sort of pre-stuff and the digital content that the BBC have put out, Um, but I had nothing to go on as far as uh, dancing comes and I thought he did really well I was really impressed yeah I mean the week one jive is a tough one and like he was there a hundred percent on effort but maybe the last 15 percent of precision was missing yeah but it was so joyful and free that he sort of was able to glide past that the great thing about doing these dances kind of you know, yeah, you usually you start with a cha-cha or a waltz because they're deemed to be the easiest ones in inverted commas. But if you're if you're smart about it, you'll you'll get the ones out of the way while you're far less exposed to the audience. Do a decent enough job at it to get through. Mm-hmm. Then when it's down to six or seven, and they've all got their pasodobles and their jives and stuff to do, you've done that. You can then do your cha-cha-cha when you've got dance experience yeah make it different so i think i think katia is one smart cookie joe mcfadden for me personally the nerves showed and i don't know where the judges were coming from the nerves affected his technique which i'm sure he has mastered a lot better in rehearsals for me i expected a lot more from joe but let's face it like i've said previously this is week one and the only way is up and i'm sure he's got a lot more to show us Dancing the Viennese Waltz From the finest city in the world To the hearts of you at home It's Susan Kalman and her partner, Kevin So I've done a complete 180 on Kevin Uh, They did an actually funny comedy VT Where they were roaming around My favourite city in the world And Susan's favourite city in the world And I think I don't mind Kevin when he is playing the straight man to an actually funny comedian. Their routine was really witty and really cute. And, you know, Susan is doing absolutely fine. Uh, she has got the acting down, which, you know, I'm, I'm really glad about. She's a stellar performer on stage. So, you know, why should that be any different when she's got dance steps to do in between the acting? Her hands could be a little bit better. And I was yelling at the TV when she missed the pointed toe at the end. But it'll come. I think the audience will give Susan plenty of time to sort of get to her full potential but it remains to be seen what her full potential actually is. But she's having the time of her life and I am living for it. I have many things I could say about Susan. They all start with, I love you. Uh, right. Do you want to save it up and go off on one when we record again plus, on Sunday? Plus, plus, I'll tell you what I want to say about Susan. Okay. I want to say their, their little introduction, VT... Fabulous shots of Glasgow. Ah, Didn't it look beautiful? Glasgow was in the house and represented. Did you go, I've been there, been there, been there? I did, absolutely went, I've been there. In fact, when they were dancing in the Botanical Gardens, I was like, 
We were just there a couple of weeks ago. We did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, fantastic. And she nearly said... It's always nice seeing places that you know on telly. Yeah. Did you see... And did, people that you know on telly. Did you catch that she said uh, the best city in the world? She nearly got the catchphrase yes. in. She nearly got it in. Yeah, she's, she's on brand for Glasgow, and yeah. I love her for that as well. Okay. <laughs> Dancing the Paso Doble and causing pleasant stirrings in the whole of the British public. It's the lovely Debbie McGee and her partner, Giovanni. Now, I told you that Debbie was going to be good, didn't I? I knew it. I knew she was going to be fabulous. I didn't expect her to be this level of fabulous. She she was magnificent in this. Um, I think they were a bit patronising with her, um, going on about her age. She's... A marvellous, talented woman who has been in show business for a long time. She 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 does know how to deal with all of this. And so she didn't look uh, remotely phased when those comments were being made. But she knows how to sell. Like, she sold every step of that dance. And it was superb. Really, really amazing. Uh, one of those dances where you, you get to the end of it and you've just got this enormous grin on your face because... She went out there and she owned it and and she there's improvements to be made in the moves, you know. She's not a perfect dancer yet. But there's there's a really good solid groundwork there for her. I think she's going to be amazing good fun. And I really, really can't wait to see her. And she's got to get to Blackpool at the very, very, very least. At the very least. To Blackpool. Debbie McGee, the biggest surprise of them all. Technique was something to behold, and certainly the legwork none of us expected. She certainly was reliving her 20s. Great storytelling, and this certainly showed through her facial emotions. I think she is one of the early favourites to win the title. So, at the minute, it seems like everybody loves Debbie. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not a great lover of Debbie, especially after what we sort of found out about the, this this kiss business at the end. You know, when, when I first saw it, I thought, okay, that's a bit odd in the choreography, but whatever, it's week one. Then when I found out that actually she had just kind of done that off her own back, I was a little bit annoyed with her. I thought, you can't just be launching at somebody, even if it's in the spirit of fun. You, you can't just launch at someone and give them a big smacker on the lips. And, you know, I was thinking, if that had been the other way around, if it had been an older male celebrity launching at his young female dancer, the BBC would be in a dodgy ground on that, and so would the celebrity. So, you know, Debbie's not impressing me so far. I mean, she can dance. I've I've no problem with her dance. But I am not that bothered to see her in the show. Dancing the cha-cha, it's the decidedly non-interchangeable pecs of Davud Gudami and his partner, Nadia. See, I think Davud and Nadia were supposed to be the sort of sexy pair tonight, but I felt like this just looked far too aggressive and a bit flat after everybody had just been blown away by Debbie's Paso. And, you know, it was a tiny bit obvious, really. You know, Davud had his pecs visible through his shirt. Nadia was basically in the sequin bikini, a little bit obvious the song which i wasn't familiar with was turned into just a complete racket by the band and i don't really remember what davu did in that routine i can remember what nadia did you know she's obviously a superb champion and she made some fantastic shapes but i don't know this just didn't cut through the pack for me So I know that Emily was really impressed by uh, the sort of aesthetics of Davud and Nadia. Mm. I think she likes them both. Uh, But uh, I I thought it was a bit sort of sexually aggressive. I thought that it was a bit rough for a cha-cha. I think, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I, I completely do. But I think you could possibly argue that you can get away with it because he's still trying to 
find his feet and where the line is and you know where how how aggressive is aggressive when somebody says do this or do that so i i can kind of forgive him for it because i feel like it wasn't intended to be that aggressive i feel like the music made it, it seem really aggressive David feeling the mood of dancing in that space with the lighting because you know when you're rehearsing in a church hall or whatever completely different than when you're in it and on set so i understand what you're saying but i'm prepared to put that down to week one all right okay we'll see how we get on dancing the waltz and modeling strictly's new 2017 sofa it's ruth langsford and her partner anton Next, we've got Ruth Langsford and Anton de Beck doing the mock waltz to This Was Nearly Mine. Um, I think I said in the uh, in the pre-show, I, I don't really have a lot of feelings about Ruth, like Ruth Langsford. I didn't really register her. Um, she seems very sweet um, from her VTs. And... Um, her dance with Anton was all right. She's a bit skippy on the footwork for now, um, but I would imagine that's something that will smooth out in the weeks to come. Um, again, it's a, it's a slow it's a slow song, um, and it's a steady dance, and it 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 does flatter um, a non-professional dancer because although the steps are complicated, you've you've got that little bit more time to. Um, work round them. Um, I thought Ruth's dress was very nice. It appears to be the year of the godie. Uh, we've got lots of godies so far. Um, I'm really perturbed by the use of pyro at the end of this dance with Anton. It, it was totally incongruous to the uh, to the dance. Um, it wasn't a it wasn't a pyro dance at all. They they didn't need to be there, and it felt like it was there as a distraction rather than uh, to complement the the dance. Ruth and Anton's waltz, classy, smooth, protective. Everything yeah. everything you want from a facial flannel, uh, and also from an Anton waltz routine. <laughs> yeah. I really, really loved this dance. Um, I was really pleasantly surprised by Ruth. I don't know why, because I like Ruth. I, I like her on this morning. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm not exactly a fan, if you if you like. But uh, yeah, I was very happy for her to be doing it strictly. I know she's wanted to do it for years, so you know she's finally got her dream, and she wanted to dance with Anton, so she's she's happy. I think. You know, yeah, her footwork is going to take a bit of working on. Yeah, but in terms of, I, she's a very elegant, beautiful woman. Actually, yeah. I thought she looked stunning, and her hair and makeup person had posted a picture on Instagram. I'm following half the hair and makeup team now on Instagram. Um, had posted a picture of her doing Ruth's hair, and you know, I, I commented underneath and and just said. She looks stunning. I mean, Ruth, you know, she she's a beautiful woman anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't I don't say that for her age. She is a beautiful woman. Yes. So, and this is so up her street, hair and makeup and, you know, I thought she looked stunning. There's, there's a, a natural elegance about Ruth Langsford that I'm not sure I had seen before. And I, I really like her. Do you know, that's the word that I've got in my notes as well. I said that the routine was really nice and natural looking. Yes. Yeah, nothing looked forced about it, which I think maybe I thought it might be from her because she's not from a dance theatre background. She's a TV presenter, you mm -hmm. know massively different than someone who's been through stage school so i and we've seen quite a lot of loose women do strictly and they've been varying degrees of success. A, a mixed bag but a lot of them have kind of had to force themselves to learn the steps and they don't look natural so i think i might have expected that from ruth just on past form but no not, none like that absolutely natural elegant i'm well done ruth round of applause i thought you were great <laughs> Dancing the cha-cha, it's everyone's favourite 80s pop vicar. It's Reverend Richard Coles and his partner, Diane. Okay, 
So what did you make of Richard Coles' routine? Um, well... We're both smiling. <laughs> We're both smiling. You, you can't help but smile when you think about Richard and Diane. I love that they're together. I think that's a, such a great pairing. They're having a great um, time. They really are. Um, so you can't help but smile when you think about Richard. I mean... <laughs> We always knew he wasn't going to step onto the the dance floor like Danny Mac did last year. You know, we, we knew that wasn't going to happen. But I love that they used the you know flying in from the ceiling in in you know the very first show. That was great. Um, and they're probably treating him a little bit like Russell Grant and and Whitaker. The more time they can spend with his feet not on the floor. They're going to. <laughs> um, again, you know, I've said it before. I want to see him do Borum. I think he'll be much better at Borum. Oh, of course, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, this was this was uh, getting the cha-cha out of the way. Out of the way. Absolutely. Um, along with you know prop impact. I think that in the judges' keyword in the judges' critiques, the keywords were very much of the the Russell Russell Grant. Um, sort of, you're the entertainment, you're the underdog. It's sort of yeah. telling the audience that this is the one you're allowed to keep in for a while. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll see. The Reverend Richard Coles. Now, my granny's known him from when he was a local reverend in Boston, and she said he's full of fun. This certainly showed through on the show last night as he embraced the whole strict experience. In terms of technique, it was very basic and at times very unique, but you can't help but smile when you see the Reverend Richard Coles perform. Dancing the jive, goodness gracious, how audacious, it's Molly King and her partner, AJ. Now that I've done a complete 180 on Kevin, AJ is now my least favourite pro. That's official. Um, And... I just felt like this routine was just choreographed to be just transparently protective of Molly. She managed not to have very many kick and flick sections, which is the essence of the jive. Um, but it still looked like she was making mistakes. The thing that I was least a fan of was AJ's remote control bomb section, which apparently that was just lifted directly from his and Chloe's Britain's Got Talent audition. I just I didn't approve. Didn't approve. Anyway, justice for Neil. Dancing with Foxtrot, it's this year's Mr. Strictly Smooth. It's Aston Merigold and his partner Jeanette. Aston Merrifield. They certainly saved the best tool last in terms of running order this week. And you can see why the bookmakers have certainly got him as an early favourite. Just like Debbie McGee, the technique was amazing. And he also has great storytelling too. And I'm sure this is from his days as part of JLS. So there's a lot of buzz being generated around Aston. And uh, after that really surreal comedy VT they did, what did you think of the showbiz foxtrot? I actually thought it was really good. I mean, I I think we knew we knew that Aston would be able to dance. That that didn't come as a surprise to us that he was quite good. Yes. Um. And again, you know, smart to get a foxtrot done and dusted while you're in your safe zone, um, because that's one that is one that does tend to get left until sort of week you know, week eight plus, really, after Halloween is when they start kind of bringing out their foxtrots. And that's when, you know, especially now we know that Shirley's, you know, absolutely, like, spot-on technique. Yeah. Get it out of the way while you're, you know, while you're not going home. Also, there's enough improvement left for him to um, bring this one back in the final. Like, I know it's very early to be talking about bringing dancers back in the final, but... Just that would actually be a really stunning number to bring back in the final, yeah. like Ori well, and Joe's. I was gonna say, yeah. Ori and, and Joe did exactly that, didn't they? Brought With back the yellow dress way in the beginning, yeah. Um, and it was, and she was wearing a yellow dress. Maybe yeah. there's a maybe there's a clue in the maybe. yellow dress, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
strictly templated, not not very surprising year on year. We can see where this is heading. It is what it is. We know the story. We could write the script. <laughs> we love it, though. We do love it. Okay, so that was all of our contestants. It's time for Brock of the Week. Now, Lisa, because we're recording in weird circumstances, would you like to just award <laughs> Brock of the Week? Would I like to what, sorry? Award it. No nomination. Award it. Award it. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I will say, I will say, I'm not going to go through like, you know, top runners or whatever. I will say, I thought just about everybody looked great. There wasn't anything that stood out to me and I thought, that's a bit dodge. Including Tess, Claude, Darcy and Shirley. I was like, they've actually dressed every single person really well. I hope this continues. Excellent. So, but anyway. <laughs> your dress of the week goes to... I'm I'm absolutely starting out with with that fabulous yellow dress that Jeanette was wearing. I thought that was just stunning. The colour, the the flow, the fabric, and the, the whole style, look with her beautiful nineteen thirties hairstyle as well. Ah, uh, it was great. Beautiful, absolutely fantastic. Now I have to find the twinkly rock <laughs> sound effect. Find your little stardust sound. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. Uh, Thank you for joining us, Lisa. Would you like to say goodnight? I would love to say goodnight and see you next week. See you next week. Bye. And now I'm joined by my It Takes Two Cynics colleague, Ewan Spence. We'll take a look at where we think the arc of this year's Strictly storyline might be taking us. This is the point where I would normally go, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Um, But I think the actual answer is it's hello, Alexandra, hello, Aston. And what we need is a slight surprise in that mix as well, all of which we saw in the first show. I, I love all the elements that we've got here. Uh, and I love everybody going, oh, it's great, we can phone in, we can cast votes, because this is where the dark arts get involved. This is this is where you have to remember that Strictly has to be an utterly safe television programme for the BBC, because it is Saturday night, it is variety, it is the show that everybody looks to. If Strictly falls, fails, trips up, has a costume problem, then the whole point of the BBC Saturday night schedule just sort of goes away. So yes, there will always be risk for individual dancers, but you have to think that they've an idea of who they'd like to go quite early, who they'd like to go in the middle, who's going to make it to Blackpool, and who's going to get to the end. They already have an idea of the shape and the plot. They don't know the exact paragraphs or or the, the, the sort of bullet points that are coming through, but the chapter headings, in my opinion, are already in place for the 15 contestants. And if those 15 contestants are smart, they already know which chapter they'll never reach. Ewan, take a breath. Um, Okay. (gasps) Sorry, I thought we were in just a minute for a second there. That was two minutes. The the Strictly audience is very much like your other half at Christmas. They want a surprise, but they want a surprise within reasonable parameters. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, everybody knows that there's always going to be people who have dance experience in the show. Uh, you're also, you also know that there are going to be people who have never done any dancing in their life but can take to it naturally. The and, and then there are people who, you know, appear on Radio 4. Yeah. And all of those elements, the production team will have seen before. I mean, yes, we're seeing it in, in week one, but there's been lots of rehearsals, there's lots of auditions have been taken away for the, the Strictly training camp, which looks suspicious. Viciously, uh, like um, a reality TV show way, way back from the early 21st century. Uh, so they already know who can do what. It's not, yes, we call it a ringer, but the production team knows who can dance. So t- to zero in on one of the big moments, I think. To the production team, to the production team, a ringer isn't a ringer. A ringer is ensuring that you've still got a watchable show come December. Yeah, and also it's it's that bit of surprise. That is the, the surprise that the production team know is there and know it will happily deliver. But everybody goes, oh, 
wow, I would never have thought that X would have been able to do Y so well. Uh, and in the case of Saturday, it's Debbie McGee. The lovely Debbie McGee. Yes. Um, who, if anybody's reading the backstory, has done a huge amount of ballet and dance training in her youth, has spent a decade on Saturday night television, generally live, doing split-second accurate moves and body contortions, with which required even more accuracy than dancing when she was the magician's assistant with the Paul Downers Magic Show, which we mustn't forget got viewing figures in excess of what Strictly gets now. Yes, and as well as having to do everything with such precision and control, she also had to look like the ultimate showgirl throughout. She is possibly the most ringery ringer that Strictly has ever had. And every one of those magic performances required a performance, required her to tell a story, required her to generally do it without seeing anything. The idea of fear, of emotion, of embarrassment, of triumph, all of those we saw in that dance. And you're watching it and you're going, that's our dance from later on in the week. And my first thought was, you've come out the trap too quickly. But at the same time, it's like, you want to put a stamp on the series. You want to have the people at home suddenly go, I know what the journey is. And Debbie, in the last year, obviously has the foundation block of that story. And I'm sure at some point we're going to see footage of her late husband when he took part on Strictly. So there's a sense of unfinished business. There's a sense of life reaffirming itself. There's a sense of dances for everybody. There's a very... I mean, you might as well, instead of calling her Debbie McGee, you could have called her Rythian McGee. And everybody would know what's going on here. <laughs> also, I think, obviously, as well, we have the storyline of the fact that she's become a widow in the last year, but there was also the most amount of sexual chemistry on display between her and Geo, just out of the whole cast, and it caused shivers down the back of the British public on Saturday night. Again, two things spring to mind. First, what is is Italian for? I think you're trying to seduce me, Mrs. Robinson. Uh, And secondly, if anybody's watching in Romania, that's how you do a surprise kiss at the end of a really good performance. Because it didn't feel creepy. It just felt like an extension of the dance. And... Yeah, I thought that was part of the choreography. It wasn't until Gorka, uh, uh, sorry, it wasn't until Joe said uh, that wasn't planned that the penny dropped. And... And I think that a lot of people will clue in on that because, look, if we spin that round, if that had if if that had been AJ and Molly, and AJ had done that at the end, there would have been a sense of oh, that, that would have been quite gross. right. Uh, and I'm sure the BBC would have went, and uh-uh, we're not having that. Uh, and two things: one, it wasn't done in rehearsals. Yeah, Teppy is a little bit of a scout there. She knows it's live, and she knows she can get away with it. But she left it till the very end. And so she nobody's, could make the call at the very end. Nobody's and nobody complained. Tell, nobody's going to tell the lovely Debbie McGee off for breaking compliance no. rules. No, uh, and I don't think any compliance is broken because you you can't have – this is going to get very, very blinkety, but it you couldn't have an older dancer, male dancer, with a younger female dancer do that move and not feel creepy. The only um, comparable moment in Strictly that I can remember is when Kara and Artem, who of course later went on to become a couple for a long time, uh, had a bit of an unscheduled moment at the end of one of their dances. I don't think we'll see that again, but I think what Debbie's done now is she's got all those principles that we had before, but everybody's been looking around for the where's the will they want they, and there's just going to be this tiny undercurrent now of whenever that's discussed, and there's certainly a good number of couples that that could potentially be in the mix there. There's always going to be that undercurrent of what if it's what if it's Debbie and Giovanni? No, don't be silly, don't be silly. What are they dancing this week? Viennese waltz. <sighs> oh. I can't wait for their Argentine tango. It's going to be incendiary. Do you know what I would love to see? I would love to see Debbie and Giovanni do the Argentine tango, but a gender swap. That would be quite good. And just thinking about her her contortionist skills, the the figures that she's going to be able to do for an Argentine tango, I can't wait. Yeah. 
So here's a question. Who's going to join her in the last week? So you're putting Debbie straight through to the final on the strength of week one then? Yeah. Okay. So who to join her? I don't know. We've had a few male winners in a row now. And, you know, the general chat is that they don't want another male male winner. So we should be looking amongst the ladies. Hmm. Well, I suppose you've got to put Alex in the final. Yep. But, but I've, and as we're here, we're looking at storyline. We're looking at who can grow, who can progress. And also, we need to also look at who's got an audience that is happy to vote for them. You know, Alexandra went through the whole X Factor process. She's known for that. She has a fan base that it's been a couple of years, but they are ex- they know if we want her to stay, we have to vote. And I think if she'd run further on in the running order, she would have got a much better score on Saturday. Uh, but again, this Saturday, the judges was only 25% at the final mark because ne- this week and last week get added together to make 50%, and then the public vote comes in as well. Alexandra has set up the story, her story, very, very nicely. She is competent. The, the judges underscored her, which meant that she has that room to grow that Debbie doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there is just that hint of chemistry that's going on there. You can look at them and you see a couple. And I think that's really important. And would the BBC like to be able to say that Alexandra Burke is the winner? I think there's a number of reasons why. I think they'd be very happy to see Alex win. Oh, yes. And, you know, it it would make uh, Alexandra's um, career gambit in, you know, taking a season out of her theatre work to come and do Strictly, it would make it pay off because she would then get that fame boost, start getting the next tier of roles up back on TV. Yep. And here's her main competitor, I think, there is going to be Aston. Aston, of course, formerly from JLS, who also went through the X Factor, um, who has that audience, who are now slightly older, but in the sort of, we watch Saturday night TV. And I think he's someone that's gunning for the West End career. Well, on the strength of that foxtrot, most certainly. And again, like we said um, from contestants in previous years, he had enough spare mental capacity to find the lens, to look down, to wink, Every one of us can remember Ori just at one point catching the camera and going, I've got this. Yes, Austin yes. has that as well. He was so one of the few some... ones this year who really remembered that they were on TV, not that they were in a ballroom. Yeah. I, and look, there's the final three. I'm struggling to put a fourth person in there. But you've got Alexandra, Aston and Debbie, and I think all of them have the ability to do a Strictly journey. They have different. Uh, they have an appeal to a different audience, which means they're all going to have solid voting blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on the assumption that there are no injuries or people pull, pulling out or being hit on the head by a car or anything strange like that. Yes, we need you a fourth for the final, don't we? Yeah, yeah. You've got to find a fourth person to put in there. I'm um, going Gemma or David. I I would generally agree with that. Um, David and Joe McFadden, though, I think are two sides of the same coin. I th- at this point in time, they're almost interchangeable. David's got a bit more grrr around him, but Joe's got Katya doing the choreography, and she tends to be able to do much more entertaining choreography, much more eye-catching. Nadia is when- still a totally unknown quantity to us. Yes. So when she gets there, we know she can entertain, but are the BBC going to want entertainment or much more technical. And I think that will come down to whether you go for Joe or David. But then at the same time, Gemma and Molly, if one of those goes through, you get a three female, one male final. And there's that. It's great. You've got three up ahead and you've got this little chasing block of, of another three, uh, three, possibly four with Joe in there as well. It keeps um, it exciting all the way through to the last week. Yes, and and you you could pair many four out of that seven, and as a produ- production team, I think you would be happy because you would always have a good mix of, of everything that you want to take in the diversity chart. Yes. So then, who else are we going to be losing just before that chasing pack? Then, well, if we look at the timing, I suspect chasing pack one of them has to drop out in Blackpool. Oh my goodness! Sorry, sorry, no, no, they can all get through Blackpool just so 
you could we, we could if, if you know here look you know what I'll put my neck on the line. Everybody we've just said there in the chasing pack. Gets so that's the- Gemma, Alex, Joe, Davud, Molly, Aston, and Debbie, and Debbie. Yes. Okay, so they're all potentially through to Blackpool. Who are we losing in Blackpool then? Ooh. Okay, so I think that's where we lose Johnny and Oti. <gasps> but you know I love Johnny and I love Oti. Yes, I know. Uh, Oti's choreography skills are going to be used very, very heavily here because of, you know, Johnny can only do a rise and fall on one foot, for example. There, are, He has different limitations and it's still not clear whether the marking for Johnny has to be exactly the same as somebody who has two biological feet or whether it's like if your rise and fall is off balance, well, he's only got one foot that can do the rise and fall and so we compensate for that. It's not clear how the judges or if the judges are going to make any sort of adjustment. Well, I thought there were some choreographical elements in that waltz to show what his limitations are and what they aren't. See, there was uh, that quite obtrusive vault that he did over the desk, which I think that was a bit of, look, I can do this. Don't worry about the more acrobatic stuff later on. And there was a new variant on the floor spin, uh, which enabled him to keep his weight on one leg and tilt slightly backwards. So... OT is already showcasing the adapted choreo and also some sort of confidence building choreo as well. But my question is, when you start getting into the judging where it gets incredibly technical, and as we've already seen, and quite rightly too, Shirley Ballas is an incredibly technically focused judge. How do you judge in certain name of posh turn on two feet here that I don't know with Johnny? Well, quite. And, you know, beyond a certain point, and that point is Blackpool, the love of the public can only get you so far. Yeah. And I think he just makes Blackpool on the strength of Oti's choreography and no more. Okay. You see, I would, have thought, I would have thought we'd have had Susan in Blackpool because surely no. all she's going to want out of this series is to dance with Kevin in Blackpool. No, because if that was all she wanted, she would be saying that. Well, nobody's all talking she's about been saying Blackpool is, yet. I wanted to dance in Streetly with Kevin with a nice dress. She's never said, I want to dance with Kevin and get to Blackpool. She's not set up for a journey to Blackpool. Effectively, her journey's done. Yeah, I suppose it was, it was all over on Saturday. Yeah, I, 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 I want to dance in Strictly. Tick. I want to dance with Kevin. I want a song with a floaty dress. Well, it was very floaty. Um, I've gone, I've done Mad About the Boy is the song. I think Kevin's charm and Susan's high profile, especially in Radio 4, will get her through a number of weeks. But I think she's going to be the most cruelest blow of all. And I think she gets voted out the week before Blackpool. There will be tears. If that yes. happens, there'll be tears. Yeah, and the and the emotion and power and that she'll be she'll be in the bottom two a couple she'll be she'll in the bottom two once before and saved. But if her goal was to if the producer's goal was to get her to Blackpool, we would have much more set up for her story. Her setup for her story is already in place and it's done. It's now a question of how long the public keep her in. And to be fair, Susan's going to stay in a lot more of the public because a lot of people watching Strictly just want to dance with Kevin. So there's a lot of audience identification here. Um, and you've still got to cut through a number of other people. You've still got, you know, Ruth Langford has got to go at some point. In, in a Richard Coles versus Susan Kalman, Susan's probably got the advantage in that one. Brian Connolly, you have the advantage there. Simon Rimmer, he's a TV chef, which has to be reminded us all the time. Oh. You know... She's got a lot of name recognition and she's dancing with the Clifton. So she'll go so far, but at some point, Strictly needs danger and it needs to be safe danger. And the safe danger is this. And this is, so this would be Kevin not making a final. Yes. Wow. I almost feel sorry for Kevin, which is a new emotion for me. Ah, yeah, you had the word almost in there, so we're, we're good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
the balance is restored. The balance is restored. So, yes. so potentially next week we're looking at first um, eliminations for maybe Simon. Um, Param two from Simon, Chizzy, and Brian. I think. I think Brian has a strong chance of staying a little bit longer because he's been in the Saturday Night Entertainment game a lot longer. He knows exactly the role he's been picked out for. Brian. Um, and, and, Brian's got a cha-cha next week, which is surely going to be horror. Um, whereas Simon has the chance to regain some dignity with a waltz. And Johnny's getting the jive out of the way next week as well, which is good that he gets the jive out of the way before he is asked for the jive to be very technically competent. Yeah, and I'd, I'd probably argue that Simon got the password out of the way in week one as well, just in case. But <laughs> Brian Connolly's a known quantity. Maybe not perhaps much in BBC, but... Everybody's able to say, entertainer Brian Connolly or Simon Rimmer. He, he's a TV chef, didn't you know? So there's almost a sort of diminution of Simon's role in the whole industry before he's even started. And Brian is playing, he's playing the fool. You know, he's got half of the Ed Bowles role. Richard Cole has the, has the other half there. Um, and they've, they've got some comedy props that need used and they can't land them with Joe and Katya all the time. So, so Brian is going to be the person that you're running up to Manchester every week to see what's in the cupboard and come back with a rhinoceros uh, and, and a six-foot-high hairbrush um, and, you, you, you know, a 15-foot-long Mars bar or something for Sweet Week or... Yeah, who knows? Brian will has got to be in for just a couple more of those numbers, I think. I don't think Simon has the has the the presence to pull off that role. Yes, that's true. Which leaves us with Richard Coles to discuss, uh, and that's basically if he wasn't on the radio, I think he'd it would be between him and Simon for the early elimination. I think he gets week three or week four. He gets a few out of the way, but not for long. Not for long, no. Uh, yes, then the last remaining ones, we've got Chizzy, we've got Ruth, and that's it. Yeah, and oh, yeah. I think whichever one of those gets into the bottom two first will be the first one. I think neither of those neither of those dancers could survive uh, a bottom two, unless they're up against Simon. Yeah, they're both paired with extremely popular dancers in Pasha and Anton, uh, but how, like, that is not necessarily enough to protect you i don't think anton can really act as a protection anymore pasha potentially um and and she certainly has much more effervescence boom boom uh in the in the presentation at least you remembered her name ewan well you know we did take 15 takes of that on the podcast but let's not spoil the magic too much shall we <laughs> Or did we? Uh, so, yeah, so what I'm saying is that first block of let's just have people there Simon, Chizzy, and Ruth. Um, keep things ticking over strictly is a bit of fun. Anybody can give it a go. Anybody can dance to Brian and Richard. Um, you've got um, the one person that we've forgotten. So, you know, good luck on that person. Uh, answers on a postcard um, along with Susan Calman. Charlotte, uh, Charlotte, Charlotte. Charlotte, yeah, she's here go. as well. Yeah, ten ticks on that one, folks. Um, yeah, so so Charlotte goes before Susan, then Susan goes before Blackpool just for that complete. Oh, it's a competition! It's heartbreaking. Boom, get to Blackpool. Johnny has his gold medal moment, as it were, uh, and the BBC get to do that. Alternatively, we had, we had our we had a strapping sportsman eliminated in Blackpool last year as well. I think that Johnny needs a tactical haircut. By the way. Yeah, I'm not going to make any too many comments on fashion beyond... Oh, sorry, sorry. I need to get Lisa for that one, don't I? Yeah, you do. Otherwise, all I'm going to say is he's my favourite. And, you know, we, we, have our, we have our honorific and we move on. <laughs> okay, so it's shaping up to be surprises within reasonable parameters. So we're all set for an entertaining autumn. You've storylined us all the way out to December. Any more and predictions? Um, oh, Debbie will be eliminated in week two, and I'll all be proved wrong, and everybody goes, see, look, it really is a competition, and they don't have any influence after all. Na, 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 na. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Ewan. We'll speak to you again soon.
that was an episode of the Keep Dancing podcast. We'll be back next week in slightly more normal circumstances when we figure out what normal circumstances are. Until then, feel free to get in touch with us. Uh, Yeah, come and chat with us on Twitter. We are at Keep Dancing Pod. See you there and keep dancing.